persecuted church, the one in Vietnam, because some of these testimonies are really uh, amazing in the content and in giving us an understanding of the extent to which humanity suffers under tyranny against the gospel. I think it's fair to say that the gospel is the only force in the earth that cannot cannot be stopped. Amen. Everything under the power of God is a lesser power and is subject to God. And then it's subject to other powers. You know, there are times when there's a dictator on the throne in a country and a stronger dictator comes and throws him off and it keeps going like that. But as far as power is concerned, God has all power. He is all powerful and his kingdom is ever increasing, which means that even though we see persecution in the earth now, God's kingdom is increasing. Of the increase of the kingdom, there shall be no end. Amen. So it's always increasing. And this is why persecution comes to stop the increase of God's kingdom. Satan is a loser and he hates it. Amen. We hate to lose. So any, even for uh, human beings, there's an, an aversion to losing. God knows nothing about losing, so he doesn't, he does not even on his radar. So he doesn't consider losing anything anyway. He knows he's a winner. He knows he's God, and he wants to take us on into the winner zone with him. Amen. And so everything that God does through us, we get the benefit of because we are his heirs. The children of God are the final heirs of everything on this earth. You understand that? So we don't have to fight and struggle over whether or not we get something. We own it all already. It's it's going to fall to us. Amen. The Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth, and that's us, those who, who humble themselves to God. That's what it's talking about. And so we are the final heirs of everything on planet earth. So it's not a big deal for God to transfer wealth into our hands. The wealth of the sinner is always laid up for the just. We can pull it down anytime our faith says that, that we have access to it. And so we're not concerned about uh, provision. We're not concerned about supply. Uh, we're not concerned about anything like that. We just need to be concerned about what God has planned for us in the next moments and exercise our faith toward that. And so as we exercise our faith toward what God has for us, then we can run into problems with opposition from the enemy who does not want us to dispossess him. He wants to hold on to the earth and the inhabitants of it as long as he can. He goes through great trouble to deceive people, to keep them blinded to the truth of the gospel. He will attack vessels who carry the gospel and especially vessels that carry the power of God. People who are called of God need to set up some ambushments against the work of the enemy through prayer. Amen. And so whenever you are, are ministering for God, you must have a foundation of prayer and you must have a wall of prayers around you consistently who know how to pray and who know how to uphold you. Now, we kind of take it for granted here because that's what we do. But I'm saying there are many people who are out working for God, ministering for God, and don't really have a good foundation of ministry underneath them, of people who they have trained to pray, taught to pray, and they know where they're going, how to pray for them, and all of these things. And to be honest with you, ignorance is increasing 
Even though knowledge is available, ignorance is increasing. And let me tell you why ignorance is increasing is because revelation is short. Revelation is short because people don't take time to receive anything from God. We want everything in a minute. We want it all in between other things that we do. We don't like to set aside time for God, for the things that he knows are important to impart to us. Everybody's got a minute Bible. They've got a, a 30 second prayer. They've got a everything's real quick, fast and dirty. And God's sitting on his throne wondering, what are you running all around, you know, for? And, and so and so we have to learn that God wants time with us and he will make that time pay off and make it valuable to us in ways we don't know. See, this is the work of faith. Faith has to believe that what I invest in God, he will increase, and I'm not worse for having spent the time with him. I am the better for having done it. It's got to believe that. You know, no more running through everything and making all kinds of plans and stuff like that. Consult God. But I can tell you the failure of many, many people in ministry is this. There's no foundation, strong foundation of prayer for them. Not much word on the inside of them that rightly divides the word and has accurate revelation on God. There are many, many things missing that need to be there in order for this warfare to be successful. I told you when we started this ministry, I told the Lord I would do whatever, God, whatever you want me to do. I don't care what it is. You know, be careful when you say you don't care what it is. You understand? Because you'll get (laughs) what you ask for. You understand? You get what God needs. See, I didn't ask to be famous. I didn't ask to be big. I didn't ask to be anything. I told God, I said, I'll stand in the back if you want me to. You know, I'll carry bags for other people. I'll make peanut butter sandwiches for, you know, people in homeless shelters. I mean, whatever it is, I don't know what what he might want me to do, but I was willing to do it. And he told me this. He said, I want you to do uh, develop a ministry for me. That helps people to study war. He said, because I can't find many people who want to do it. You got me? When you know you, he can't find many people that want to do this, you know you're going to be one in probably a million or so people. You got me? It's rare. And so he said, I can't find people who will study war. And when he said study, he meant go to the scriptures, go to the natural, go to the scriptures, go to the natural, go to the scriptures, go to the natural, and understand who these demonic forces are, where they're located, and be willing to do whatever I tell you to do to put them in their place. Take them out of commission so that they can't do what they're doing in the earth. Amen? And so that's what we do. Amen. If anybody wants to know what we do, that's what we do. And it's not fictitious, and it's not made up, and it's not imaginary. You got me? Because there's a lot of that. Because people aren't willing to study it, it gets fictitious and it gets imaginary. And the results do not validate what people say they are doing. So we have to move out of this imaginary zone in the body of Christ and, and move into the kill zone. Where we shoot the enemy dead and he doesn't move anymore. You, you want your demons dead and inactivated. You don't want them moving around all the time. 
You know, the devil's busy, but God's on the throne. Well, what are you doing? Letting him walk all over you. So let's do the real thing and, and not get involved with the false. But one of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me is that he wants us to understand persecution as it is in the earth today. Understand it in, in the tools that he has given people to fight it because it's not going to go away. So this isn't one of those problems that you can wish away and you can hope wasn't there. It will be there. It's always been there. And as God uh, prepares people to receive his glory and to receive more power, to bring in a greater harvest for him, the enemy's going to do everything he can to stop that. What he does is he poisons the minds of people through tactics and maneuvers. We're always in a war of words. Amen. It's our words versus the devil's words. And are we going to confront him with truth and let truth prevail? Never let the devil have the last word about anything. I don't care if he scares you to death with what he does. But you better respond back and give him the word of God. Amen. Don't let him sit up and tell you anything and you be intimidated and pushed around by his threats and his taunts. You can say anything you want to say. That's the truth of God's word. You don't have to bite your tongue in front of anybody. And you can say, state what God's word says to state because at the end of that word that you give somebody is a lifeline to them. That's going to mean life or death to them at some point if you'll give that word out. And so we're not people who are going to be turned around. We're not people who are going to be threatened by anything. You've lived with God long enough to know that even when you messed up your whole paycheck almost, you're still here. You're not out on the streets. You still got clothes to wear. You still, you understand what I'm saying? You still are here. And so God will always take care of his children. And that's what you need to know. And so you don't have to be, let anything, there's nothing on the line for you. There's no risk of loss for you. Amen. Because God is not a God who punishes us when we're stepping out to do our best for him. Amen. So you don't have to worry about God not being on your side. He's always on your side. Amen. Just like you would be with your own children. If, if your children made a mistake, you're not going to let the neighbor's kids beat up on them because you know you're the one who judges that kid. You don't let somebody else judge them and punish them in your place. Now, you might beat the little slop out of him, but you know what I'm saying? That's you. <laughs> but God's not like that. He's not in the beat up his kid's business he will chasten us and discipline us and teach us so that we can walk in his ways which is the best way for us but there are many many nations we said the last time there were about 60 nations that we counted uh, that are our leaders in persecution of christians around the world they do everything from murder kidnap rape behead uh, um, all kinds of things to believers and it's not getting any easier for people to live free as Christians in some nations. But we'll talk today about some people who are surviving and thriving and who live to preach the gospel. And this is the thing that, that you need to know will keep you alive and it will keep you strong and it will keep you safe. If you live to share Christ with people, if that's your love and that's your passion, 
then God will always come for you. There will always be rescue for you. There will always be aid for you. And there will always be help for you in a way of escape. Most people who are persecuted have a choice as to escaping the persecution and surviving and living or whether they go down to martyrdom. It's a choice that they make. In Hebrews 11, it talks about those who, let me turn there because people, people just don't seem to understand this because a relationship with God entails these kinds of things. I've talked to people who have been sick, close to dying, and God will always have me ask them, what do you want God to do for you? You know, you don't go in with some agenda and try to force them to want to live another day. You ask that person because it's their faith that has to bring them through. And sometimes people will, will say, you know what, I, I, really, I do want to live. And God will give them the ability to live. He'll heal them. And then there's some people who are just peaceful. You know what, I've lived a long time and I've been suffering with this and I just don't want this anymore. You know, that kind of thing. And so the, it's a decision that we make. Faith is always a decision to use their faith. Let me see. By faith, Hebrews 11, thank you, Lord. It says in verse 33, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms? And this is, a, this is what your faith will do. Subdue kingdoms. Work righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. We all know the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego quenched the fiery furnace with their faith. Out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant and fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. By faith, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance not accepting deliverance they had a choice here they could have had deliverance but they decided to accept the torture that they might obtain a better resurrection now from where you and i sit in the comforts of our little living rooms that don't look like a better thing but when you're facing it and the grace of God is over your life for that event happening in your life is considered to be a better resurrection. Why? Because when you're in the grace of God for what you're going through, things look totally different to, than somebody who's standing on the outside looking. You got me? And so we have to understand that these people make decisions based on the grace of God that's afforded them at that time. Many people looked at Kim Davis. I saw people's little snide remarks on Facebook. They don't post that stuff no more, I see, because God made them eat their words. Well, when you're an elected person, you must go in and do your job. And they got 15 scriptures. She didn't do it, and she's still working. And God's there for it. You understand what I'm saying? It will show you. See, we don't understand grace until we get in situations where... And you've got to use your faith to get in there. She stepped out in faith and said, I'm not going to do it. It's a matter of my conscience. I know I don't have to do it. The Constitution says I don't have to. And she didn't. And she still ain't done it. 
But see, those of us sitting back in judgment on the outside, it'll shock you how judgmental people are over somebody else's conscience. Hmm? The Bible says, who art thou to criticize another man's servant? God's able to make them stand or fall. Watch them stand. Huh? Watch them stand. Because they know they're God. See? I was looking at that. I said, I read somewhere she only been saved three years. I said, oh, Lord, what? <laughs> That'll show, yeah, tell me about it. Yep. The Bible says a little child will lead them. God doesn't need people who've been saved a long time and real powerful prayer people or can fast for 90 days or whatever. He needs somebody to obey him and use their faith. So, so I'm going to read you something again from Between Two Tigers. This is the testimonies of Vietnamese Christians the two tigers, we said, were communism on one side, amen, and Buddhism on the other one. And so these people are locked into two ideologies that shape the life of the Vietnamese people over there. And But yet God is raising up a church and raising up a people who will preach the gospel to set people free. This one is confronting the enemy in the pig pen. The Lord has done many wonderful things for me. One time he saved me from getting arrested in a very unusual way. One night I was in a village preaching the gospel. The Lord warned a brother that the police were coming, so I picked up my things to hide. One man took my hand and pushed me into a place where the tribe keeps their pigs. A kerosene lamp hung outside the pig pen, but inside it was dark. The police poured in, dogs barking all over the place. The moon was covered by clouds, so it was very dark. When the police looked in the pig pen, they didn't see anything and left. The Lord used many things such as this to show me that he is powerful and almighty. See, we'll never see the power of my, and might of God unless we step out and do something for him. You know, it, it, and this is the way God is. He, he's not a spectator God. Amen? You can't just sit and watch things happen and think you know God. You know about him and you know testimonies, but you don't really know him until you step out in your own faith and do something for God. He says, the Lord, uh, although I grew up in a Christian family, Christianity was just a ritual to me. I often asked religious school officials about Jesus, but many did not know anything about him, so I concluded that there was no God. But one day the Lord started working in my life. My father was seriously sick and nearly died. He gathered all of us children around him and told us his last words. I was terrified because in our family there are only two men, my father and me. I had six older sisters and two younger sisters. My father's death would be a great problem because I would be the only man in the home and I was still very young. Despite our family's objections, my father insisted on inviting the Baptist pastor to pray for him. I can still remember it clearly as the Christians next door used our motorcycle to bring the pastor. My father cried and rolled over in bed, groaning in pain. 
When the pastor arrived, he laid hands on my father and prayed. I stood there in disbelief. As soon as the pastor finished his prayer, my father lay quietly. Curiously, curious, I went closer to see if he had died. My father was still alive. And from that day on, he began to get better and better and regain his strength. That was the first miracle I witnessed. I started thinking about God and about his power. Perhaps there is a God, I thought. I was not sure yet. Later, when I was 14 years old, I came down with a fever and began to vomit blood. The hospital did not want to treat me because the nurses thought I was going to die. They were more concerned about making money than caring for people. The hospital transferred me to my cousin's house. I continued to vomit and was unconscious. Through my cousin's prayer and care, the Lord healed me. There is something happening in your life, my cousin told me later. The morning you came, I had my motorbike out to go to a wedding feast. Something stopped me. I could not move forward. I thought the brake was stuck. When I checked again, nothing was wrong. I tried to push the motorbike forward again, but some unseen power was stopping me. So I turned the motorbike around and brought it back into my house. My cousin said that when he put the motorbike inside the house, it moved freely. As soon as he parked the bike in, in its place, the car carrying me stopped in front of his door. If I had gone to the wedding feast, my cousin said, I would have missed you and you would have died. This caused me to think. I realized that there was an unseen being looking into my life, and with a broken heart I received Jesus as my Savior. I cried and cried, not knowing why this was happening to me, only that the Lord was working in my heart. Eventually, I became one of the three leaders of the youth in church, leading the teenage choir in search of a wife. The Lord told me that my wife would be named Min. In our local church, there were two girls named Min. One was much older than me, and the other was preparing for marriage, so neither could be the one. Eventually, however, I met a girl named Min in a house church. The first time we met, I did not know her name, but I felt that she was to be my future wife. I wrote to her that if she married a man who served the Lord, their life would have much suffering. This man could not guarantee her enough provisions, money, or family life, and he would regularly have to travel far away from home and even be arrested for the sake of Christ. I asked her to pray hard about our relationship. If she couldn't agree to live under those conditions, we would need to move on in different directions. After praying, she agreed to continue our relationship for two years before we married. Missions to Tribal People. After our wedding, I began visiting the co-tribe to hold worship services. There I experienced many wonderful things with the power of the Lord pouring into those churches. One time I went into a village to share the gospel. We met in a long thatch house that had two kerosene lamps on the floor to light the room. The people listened very attentively as I shared the word with them until midnight. When I stopped, they didn't want me to go home. I'm very tired and want to rest, I explained. Since our country collapsed in 1975, the tribal people had never seen any Vietnamese people come to visit them like this. They knew I had come a long way, so they let me rest. I was so tired that I slept in a corner of the house while they waited. I could just see that happening here. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, 
Wait, <laughs> really? <laughs> what for? We don't need no stinking preacher. Uh, but people are so hungry for the gospel in certain places, you see. They let him take a nap and sat there and waited for him until he woke up. They were hungry for the word like that. He said, I slept in a corner of the house while they waited. I awoke suddenly and looked at the clock. It was about 3.30 in the morning, and nearly 100 people were waiting for me. I quickly apologized, jumped up from the bamboo floor, and brushed my hair. I continued to share the word with them until daylight. They went back home, and I moved on. Opposition begins. When I moved into another village, I met a preacher named Chan, who was from a government-registered church. All the Christians were fearful of him. When he came into the village, he did not share God's word, but always asked the Christians to give him land so he could plant coffee. The preacher asked, do you have official permission to preach the gospel here? No, I don't. Now, see, this happens to anybody who goes in God's authority to do the will of God. There's always some religious group, a religious church, religious devil, religious person that will stop and as they as though they have the authority to ask you to justify while you're doing there while you're working and i was thinking about this how many times this has happened to me in the past especially when i first went to detroit when we were in cleveland everywhere you go the devil's going to try and stop and question you as though you owe him some answers for why you're doing what you're doing and i thought to myself i said you know what a waste of energy Look at all the sad, homeless, sick people out here, and the church is fighting over who has the permission to be in this city and do this. Who told you you could come here and do this? Who told you that you could set up a church? Who told you you could set up a meeting? Who told you? Who gave you permission and authority? Just like they did Jesus. By whose authority do you cast out devils? By whose permission do you do these things? So who are you to criticize another man's servant? God hired me. You understand what I'm saying? Just like God hired you. And we don't need one another's permission to come out here and fight the devil. He's fair game to everybody. You understand? We need more people who are willing to do it. He said, and, uh, he said we moved to another village. The preacher asked, do you have official permission to preach the gospel here? No, I don't, I replied. But I have the word of God that tells me I must come here to talk about Jesus. That's all the permission you need. Before you came up here, did you ask the government? He persisted. Jesus and the disciples, while they were going out preaching the gospel, did not announce to any government, I answered. They didn't need permission. Then I will have to report you to the government, he said. I opened the Bible to the preacher, showing him Isaiah 43:16 through 19. In these verses, it says we cannot rely upon the power of the pagan government, but must do a new thing. Do not rely on the government to threaten me, I replied. We did not hear from him again. We moved on to another village and gathered about 20 workers. One co-brother said that while, while he prayed, the Lord told him I would be arrested. Another brother from Saigon who came up there to work said the Lord also gave him the same revelation. He ran 20 kilometers to tell me this. I prayed and received great peace. From here to the jungle, jungle train is 15 kilometers, I told the brothers. 
So even if I moved out, I would still be caught. Everybody go. I will continue to stay here. While we were praying, one brother said, at 7 o'clock tonight, the police will come. I looked at my watch and saw it was 5 o'clock. I asked them to continue praying. Later, the brother spoke again. In 15 minutes, the police will come. I looked at my watch. It was a quarter to 7. I was the only one in the room with a watch. I said, truly, this is a revelation from the Holy Spirit. I told the brothers to leave. They took their things and quickly disappeared. I found myself alone in the room. Suddenly, a brother looked in and yelled, run. I picked up my bag. That's when one man pushed me into a place where the tribe keeps their pigs. Of course, the Lord protected me, and the police didn't see anything and left. We slept in the village overnight. Early the next morning, we gathered the people in a house, and I preached the gospel. I then told the church to pray. They prayed very loud and very long. I felt uneasy with this long prayer. If the police came back, it was now daylight and the house was near the trail. I clapped my hands loudly to stop them, but they continued. Once again, one brother said, the police are coming. As a church member scattered, I prepared my bag to leave. During that time, the police came and arrested a brother. The police knew I was there, so they waited a long time for me. Finally, they took him to the district police station. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. I went to the police office to visit the brother. I didn't think there was any reason that the police could arrest me because there was no evidence. A man named Bach. I was questioned at the police station, at the station by the police. Who are you looking for, they demanded. I'm looking for Brother Lynn. What is your name, the officer demanded. My name is Vo. Did you come from Saigon, he probed. Yes. They immediately arrested me. I did not understand why. Brother Lin said you are the one who went with him, an officer lied. I did not come with Brother Lin, I protested. You are a liar, another officer barked. You came up here with four men. Your friend told us everything. If you do not cooperate, you will be arrested and given a long sentence. The officers questioned me until 7 o'clock at night. Finally, they wrote an order to arrest me and push me into a cell. A line of toilets was nearby. The cell was smelly and so dark that I could not see my hands. Another man was inside, but I couldn't say his, see his face. Are you named Bach, I asked. A voice in, a dark, in the dark answered, why do you know my name? Because I just heard the police say, Bach, I give you another man. I have a piece of bread here. Sit up and eat. You eat it, the voice shot back. Don't make a show. Otherwise, I will eat it all. Later on, I shared the bread, thanking the Lord before we ate. I was afraid that the police might use this man to beat me. You know, in those types of places, they let prisoners beat each other up just to punish them, especially the preachers who are preaching the gospel. He, he, said, um, I could, he said, later on, I shared the bread, thanking the Lord before we ate. I was afraid that the police might use this man to beat me. While we ate, I shared about Jesus. I could hear him crying. Do you want to receive Jesus? I asked finally. Instead of answering, he cried out loud. I didn't know why this man was so quick to cry, but I decided not to ask him. <coughs> Excuse me. I just prayed for him to receive Jesus that night. I also prayed that he would have a peaceful sleep. Then I laid down. My head hit the wall. I moved to touch and see how wide the room was. 
I found that I could not lie straight. The room was only a meter and a half square. <clears throat> it's a little barely, barely four feet. Bach, who was shorter, sat beside me. Since the room was filled with mosquitoes, I used my raincoat to cover him. I fell asleep in another hour. <coughs> Excuse me. Later in the daylight, I was shocked by his face. His hair was long, and he had a very wicked face. He had just been transferred here from the north. He had knifed the policeman who dared to question him about a case. <coughs> Excuse me. The officer nearly died. If I had come here in the daytime, I thought, I don't know if I would have dared to witness to him. <coughs> it was the good Lord who allowed me to be brought here at night so I couldn't see his face. <coughs> I asked him why he had cried last night. Yesterday at lunchtime, he explained, I said to myself, If there is a Jesus who I had heard about in the north, then send someone to speak to me about Jesus. This was just something I spoke out accidentally. I didn't think that a man like you would come into my room. The first thing you shared was was about Jesus, so I know there is a Jesus. (coughs) Praise God. I was there three nights and four days. During that time, I tried to, tr- to teach the man about Jesus, but he had been confined in a tiny cell so long that he couldn't concentrate. Finally, the police released me and instructed me to leave the area within four, four hours. You see, once the, you lose the word of God and you lose the gospel and the power of God, then the devil knows he can't do anything with you. Amen. <coughs> Until you obey God, the devil will taunt you and intimidate you and do a lot of things. But once you obey what God sends you to do, then you'll see the devil scatter. He can't do anything after that. Amen. So that same gospel that gets you in trouble gets you out of trouble. Amen. Same anointing. Amen. Let me see. Where was I? He said, okay, he said, I was there three nights and four days. During that time, I tried to teach him about Jesus, but he'd been confined to the tiny cell so long he couldn't concentrate. Finally, the police released me, instructed me to leave the area within four hours. On my way home to Saigon, I joyfully took the opportunity to visit a church in another village. Excuse me, border crossing. One time I crossed the border into Cambodia with a tribal worker, Brother Nu Hao, to bring Bibles back to Vietnam. We were arrested by border police. They checked in the hem of my clothes and opened my wallet. Inside were addresses of contacts who would show me the way to, to Phnom Penh. I prayed. The policeman said, Oh, this is an address in Bangkok. I thank the Lord for this miracle because under this address was clearly written Phnom Penh. These guards would know very clearly the different addresses, but they had misread it. They pushed me into a room with Brother New Howe, who was lying on the bench with his arms handcuffed under the bench, embracing it. The officer tried to put a small metal shackle around my legs, but the shackle was too tight and very painful. 
He kept pushing. Another policeman pushed an iron bar through both both ring collars on my feet. Unable to move, I lie there one day and night. I could only move my my feet along the bar and spread them apart. The police questioned me for hours, but the Lord also had his very wonderful way of deliverance. They found no trace of the Bibles and concluded that we had crossed the border only to buy and sell motorbikes. Under God's protection, the Lord delivered us out of this place, which doctors set free. On another occasion, I came to Dong That to teach the word. A man named Bin Nin, 10 kilometers away, heard that I was conducting Bible training and came to listen. He was vice chairman of the community, and his wife was a witch doctor. He drank a lot of her potions and was demon-possessed. <laughs> he probably should drink out. That's all I can tell you, brother. Quit drinking at home. My goodness. <laughs> Excuse me. This is just a little mess with my nose and stuff, but I'm winting, okay? I'm healed. Praise God. I'm healed. I asked the Lord to get me well enough to get me here today. <laughs> That's just how bad a week I have, but praise God. It's it's better. It's much better. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you for my hot tea, Clarita. I appreciate it, honey. Thank you so much. <clears throat> said on another occasion I <laughs> said <that> a potion <laughs> I thought I'd mess with you a little bit <laughs> Woo, let's drink the potion <laughs> so <laughs> she gave him a lot of stuff and he was demon possessed usually most men are get demon possessed on their own but she's helping him along huh this is interesting <clears throat> you know people lack of knowledge will teach people to resort to all kinds of seductions by the devil. So this is why these people risk everything to go in and bring the truth of the gospel. He said, while I was teaching, this young man walked into the village and fell down shaking with his mouth full of water. The people with him were terrified. They picked him up to take him to the hospital, but as soon as he left, he became normal. He tried once more to come into our meeting, but fell down again shaking. And the people took him out so he would become normal again. He tried a third time to enter this area, and the same thing happened. I prayed for him, and he received deliverance from the Lord. Later, I went to his village. The chief of the village supported me very much in sharing the gospel. Although he was not yet a believer, the chief was afraid of idol worship. I had asked Brother uh, Puck from Dong that, that to go with me. The village of Bin Nin was full of idols and witch doctors. In every house there was an altar about a meter square covered with relics of worship, such as the teeth of a wild boar. The villagers welcomed us. I entered the house of a witch doctor, and as I laid hands on her and prayed, she started to cry and shake. Soon she was delivered and received Jesus. I went to all five of the witch doctor's houses. And they also experienced deliverance and received Jesus. Afterwards, they got up and took all their idols and altars to the yard and burned them. The chief also received Christ and encouraged the people to listen as I shared the gospel with them. Did you see how God delivered all these witch doctors, I asked the villagers. They replied, yes, we saw. 
then then is the power of God greater than the power of idols? They answered, yes. Then I asked them, why don't you believe in Jesus? They answered, you only prayed for the witch doctors. You must also pray for the woman who is the magician in this area. <laughs> oh, shocked. <laughs> really? <laughs> magician too? You got one of those? <laughs> only when she accepts Jesus will we make a decision. And that's something. She's got all these people under her control. Who can save us from the wicked things of her magic? The people said that witch doctors were nothing compared to the woman of magic. Remember that. There's always a bigger and a bigger devil, right? They said they dare not touch her because even when many policemen came to deal with her, their families got sick and some of their children died. I gathered the believers and prayed for faith, courage, and boldness. The Lord told me, you do not have to ask because I have given faith to you already. Just go do it. You understand me? When you're confronted with these things and you're the only Christian knowing something, you the one. You understand me? You're not looking for somebody else to show up with more this, more that, or the other. You just go do the do the job. Because you've got to understand something. When God sends you to do something for him. You are the best qualified person there to do the job. Especially when nobody else is around that knows Jesus. You're it. This other nonsense that people do. Now I'm just going to hit it where it is because it's stupid and people put it out there. But this business of you being a prophetess and you go to preach somewhere and you take somebody with you to pray Witches off you while you're up in the altar ministering. You need to sit down until God gives you something of power and you can confront these things. You don't need four people walking behind you, stretching their hands out, praying and all this kind of stuff. You either got it or you don't. If you didn't get it from God before you left home, it's not going to show up because somebody else is praying for you at the altar. Let's get real. You're either anointed or you're not. I'm glad that nonsense is off television. You know, I love those women women dearly, but they have missed something. They need to go back to casting out devil school if they've ever been. I don't even know if there is such a thing. But I know the Holy Spirit teaches you the things that you need to know. If you need mentoring, he'll send you to the right person with the right authority. Quit getting crazy here, folks. You don't need five people up in the altar praying with you. You either got it or you don't. Isn't that right, Pastor Shirley? Isn't that right, Miss Nola? You either got it or you don't. If God sends people to you to help, you're the one that's qualified to help them. God didn't send anything that's beyond his power to subdue it's not your power anyway it's his and you need to learn how it works before you get up and get on television and make a spectacle of yourself it just makes god look bad he needs to get them all them crazy people off television
So anyway, <clears throat> he asked the people, and they talked about this woman with this magic. People said witch doctors were nothing compared to this woman of magic. They said they dare not touch her because even when many policemen came to deal with her, their families got sick and some of their children died. He said he asked God for faith, courage, and boldness. The Lord told me, you don't have to ask. I've given it to you already. It's all in the anointing. Once he anoints you for an office, any job to do under the authority of that office, you're qualified to do. You're anointed to do. Just go do it. So I stepped inside the room of this magician. She had a great big house with Chinese red tile on the floor, a tile roof and wooden walls. I found her sitting in a corner. In the name of Jesus, look at me, I commanded. She looked up. We stared at one another a very long time. (laughs) Then I moved closer to her. I mean, it'll hit you like that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you just... So just stare until God tells you to do something else. You don't need to get creative. You just need to work with the Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit. He said, then I moved closer to her and sat down. Are you happy, I asked. She shook her head, no. Do you want to be happy? She didn't answer. I'd probably take that as a no, but then I don't know. said, I reached out and drew her by the hand into the middle of the room and started to pray. Jesus, may you cover me with your precious blood. She screamed and dropped to the floor. The blood applied will make demons scream. You got me? The blood declared will make them scream. Using her hands as if to protect herself from the prayer. See, there's something righteousness does with them in the realm of the spirit that's intolerable, that's tormenting to them. Amen. It says, then she rose up screaming loud and long. All of my hair stood up. I had never heard such screaming. It was so terrible, I cannot describe it. Huh? The people around me said that she was calling her different spirits to come. I said, once again, in the name of Jesus, may your precious blood cover me. Immediately, my hair no longer stood up, and I was not afraid. Faith persists. Once you start, you don't stop until you get victory, because it's there. If God got you in it, he'll get you through it. With victory. Said, I prayed for this woman for an hour. People surrounded the house because of her screaming. It was like the warfare between the prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. I declare Jesus Christ victorious over Satan. Suddenly, this magician woman kneeled in front of me, folded her hands together, and pointed them toward me in surrender. I told the demons in the woman, you don't have to bow. You get out of this woman. She collapsed backward and was silent. I prayed for the Lord's strength to restore her. We pulled down all the pagan altars, brought them into the yard, and burned them. Then this woman prayed and received Jesus into her heart. 
It was just like the wall in Jericho had collapsed. Everyone surrounding us wanting to receive Jesus because their own eyes had witnessed the warfare. Now, this is what you need to understand. In situations like this where there is a strong man in charge of a stronghold that has a people captive, you have to deal with the seat of that strong man. Now, you can go around and win some souls and pick them off one by one, but true apostolic authority doesn't play that game. You go get the strong man and you make him release many souls. That's how the early church won 3,000, 5,000 people at one time. They hit the strong man and made him release those souls. Other than that, you just play a yo-yo game. You know, you've seen where missionaries will go into areas and win a soul here and a soul there and start a church, and pretty soon they move the idols right into the the church that the the missionaries are paying for. You got me? And so, and that's because they don't go in apostolic authority. They're not anointed to go in and do what they're trying to do. They're just good-hearted people that want to do something for God and don't understand spiritual things, spiritual warfare and spiritual authority. But you understand it. Amen. So he says, they, uh, where was I at? Everyone surrounding us wanting to receive Jesus because their own eyes had witnessed the warfare. They tried to pull me in every direction to come to their houses to pray for them. Since it was already 6 o'clock in the evening, I told people to gather in their homes and I would stop and pray for each family. This is the most beautiful picture I've seen in my life. In each house, I saw the whole family, often more than 20 people all kneeling together, waiting to pray and receive Jesus into their hearts. A whole village, 20 people in a house just going house to house to house because you take down the strong man. See, this is what God explained to me at the beginning. He said, I got to find people who will study war and understand how when I give you authority, apostles have authority to do these things. Pastors and evangelists don't have it. Their office does not call for it. Their foundation-laying ministries. You see all these people running around, everybody's an apostle now? We're going to find out. We're going to really find out. Because some devil's going to call them on it one day to show me what you got. And see, if you don't know how to, 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 to bind the strong man and confront this thing and know that he's got to bow. That lady had to bow. You understand me? She had no choice. And it wasn't because of his long prayers. And he said all that didn't work. He went in the authority of the name of Jesus. God sent him to do that, and he knows his authority. That's the office he's operating in. He's not calling. You see him calling himself an apostle anywhere here? But the fruit bears it out. See, you know the office by what it can do. You don't know it by a title. You know it by what it can do. So he went to every house. He said it was very tiring. Throughout the village, he could see the idols and charms burning and families watching. Christian workers sang victory songs. Today, the entire village, about 300 adults and children, believed in Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Persecution follows victory. We gathered the workers in a woman's house for training. Her house was large and high up on poles. While we were in Bible training, two policemen came 
from Binlong District. Usually the children would be riding buffaloes in the fields and would run and tell us when they saw policemen in uniform. This time the police were in civilian clothes and sneaked in so quickly on motorbikes we could not react in time. The chief of the village ran over right away to meet with the policemen, asking them to come into the house for a drink so that the people would have time to escape. But the officers pushed them aside and stormed toward the ladder. I was teaching and didn't know that the police were coming. They stood at the ladder, not allowing anyone to go up, so nobody inside the house realized that they were down below. A policeman made the chief of the village come, then pointed to our shoes on the ground. When we go upstairs into the house, we leave our shoes downstairs. There weren't more than 50 pairs of shoes. There were more than 50 pairs of shoes. Although I preached loudly, loudly, the police downstairs didn't hear anything. They only knew there were many people upstairs. They ordered the chief of the village to go up there with them while they arrested all of us. The chief loved me and the people re- the, the, and the people and refused. He said, I will not go up with you. I must work with the community police before I can work with you district police. Leaving his comrade to guard the stairs with his rifle, the officer in charge jumped on his motorbike and rode back to the community police office. The remaining policemen soon became afraid and fled, giving the people a chance to warn us. The brothers and sisters all prayed. We told them that in two weeks we would come again and continue the teaching. I returned a week later with a woman evangelist and spoke in the morning. I felt tired, so another city worker stood up to continue the lesson. While I prayed, the Lord told me, go back to the kitchen. I thought maybe the Lord wanted me to to prepare the food or check on something. As I stepped down to the kitchen house, suddenly police surrounded the rooms where, where we were teaching, demanding open the door. When the people refused, the police began kicking the door open. Meanwhile, the Christians were hiding all of their Bibles. When the police broke in, they angrily beat up all the brothers inside. The Christians quickly led me to a rice field and asked me to sit down. Since the field was very large, nobody could see me. Everything was in chaos, and I returned from the rice field. The police, joined by the village soldiers, had arrested all 18 members in the class, forcing them to strip to their underwear. Tying their wrists with electric wire used for hanging clothes, the officers had marched them single file about two kilometers to the police station. The 20 armed men had stolen the villagers' money from the house, and had also taken my motorbike, Bibles, and bags. When I saw what had happened, I asked the Lord, should I go back home or go to the authorities to deal with this? The Lord told me, go to the police. Lord, I am willing to go, but my daughter is only one month old, and if I am arrested now, it will be very difficult for me, my wife, and my little child. But God encouraged me to go nevertheless. The power to open and close doors is within God's hands. He said, not with the governments of this world. You got me? Power is in God's hands, not with any government. This understanding gave me much faith, and I walked boldly toward the police office. The villagers around me cried. They have beaten the the Sting brothers a lot now. If you go to the police, they will beat you even more. But I went anyway. I hadn't had anything to drink, and I was very tired. I stopped to get a soft drink so that 
when I arrived at the police station, I could speak clearly. Otherwise, the police might think I was afraid. As I stepped into the refreshment booth, I saw four men sitting there and drinking. They asked if I was a beau. I said, yes. The police are looking for you, they said. Is that so? How do you know? Your work, everybody knows about it, they shrugged. I knew that there might be informers inside the villages. I said, the reason I am going to the authorities is to help release these 18 people to go back to their homes. However, as I stepped in the police station, I was arrested, winning the argument. On another occasion, I was arrested after visiting a village near Bin Lan. At the police station, I sat down crossing my legs. The police slapped my leg over, <laughs> over to the floor and said, you don't sit that way in a police station. Then the policeman threatened me by going to another officer to get his gun. I told him, don't threaten me. You can shoot me if you want, but don't threaten me. They grabbed my Bible, opened it, took out a picture of my wife and children. It looks like you have a happy family, he sneered. Why would you leave them down south to be away from them so long in the north, especially if, you throw, if we throw you in prison? He waved his gun in the air. You will be here a very long time. You are stupid for leaving your family behind. I challenged the policeman. You're an officer from the north, and when you came down to fight in South Vietnam, you didn't bring your wife down here with you, did you? You left her in the north so you could fight. So you and I are both fighting for our, our ideals. My ideal has been tested for 2,000 years, and now all over the world there are millions of believers still fighting for this ideal. But your deal has collapsed. Your ideal has collapsed already in Russia. He opened his eyes wide. Everybody knows this fact. Then he was silent. He left the room to phone the district police. Soon about five policemen arrived in a jeep. The officer threw a Bible on the table and glared at me accusingly. This Bible has been illegally printed in Vietnam. It is newly printed because the paper and ink still smell fresh. Another chimed in. You are an educated man, he cursed. You know the sentence for illegal printing. You have to tell us where you received this book and where you printed it. I replied coolly, many of these books are sold in the old bookstores in Saigon. The officer slammed his fist on the table and yelled, don't lie. How could government bookstores sell all these Bibles? I remained calm. Around the city, many old bookstores sell all kinds of these books. So if you don't believe me, just take me back to the city. I will buy a case of these books for you. The police changed their attack. You have been staying in the tribal village for three days, but you didn't register. If you were not doing illegal activities, why didn't you register? You must be doing something shady. I stiffened. In Saigon, I can go to my friend's house and stay there for three or four days. I do not need to register. I have lived in my wife's house for many years with no need of registration. Once again, the officer slammed the table in rage. Saigon is different. Here it is different. I quickly countered, so you admit that the government in the city is different from the government in the tribes. But if the government is the same, then the law must be the same. The police growled in frustration. You must, you must confess to me that you are doing illegal things. If I am doing something illegal, it is by accident, I replied. If we were speaking about the law, he huffed, there is no word like accident. Another district officer chimed in, but you broke the law. I turned and looked at him squarely. Then why did you come to discuss things here? You should have written a report of my arrest. But you didn't write that. You took away my motorbike. 
This means you meant to steal it. You violated the law of the cities. The officer turned pale. He called the community police over and scolded them. Why do you keep this man, he demanded. You didn't write a report about his motorbike. The policeman admitted this was true. The district officer was so angry he stomped out to his car. The chief and the rest of the district men left also. The community officer was very ashamed because he had been scolded before the high-ranking officer. He apologized and released me. You know, the Bible says they will call you before courts, magistrates, all. He said, and don't try to figure out what you're going to say before you get there. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit will give you a mouth and wisdom. Amen. And that's exactly what happened. It will confound your enemies under suspicion. Six months later, I, be, I returned to Bin Laden. I had a woman evangelist on the back of the motorbike riding in front of two in front of two bags full with Bibles. When we stopped at a small restaurant in the bush, a Vietnamese came up and shook my hand. I was very surprised to see a Vietnamese in this tribal area. He acted very strange. Why are we shaking hands like this, I asked cautiously. Don't you remember who I am? No, I don't remember you. He said, I am the policeman who questioned you. I have been transferred to the district police in Bin Laden. I prayed under my breath as I shook his hand. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. The official asked, you came back from Saigon. What are you bringing here? As I continued praying in the name of Jesus, the officer became very soft and simply asked about my family. He said, if you're going back to Saigon, it's already dark. I'll give you an address of my home so that you can go there directly. I replied, still shaking his hand, okay, I can stop by your house if we have a chance. We released hands and he left. I wondered whether I should turn around and leave or go to the restaurant and eat. As I turned back, if I turned back right away, the people would be suspicious. I wondered what would happen if I went to the restaurant to eat and the police came back. The restaurant was only 500 meters from the police station. The woman evangelist and I decided to bring all the luggage into the restaurant and pray that the Lord would cover us. While we were eating, two other policemen came. They looked at us and walked over to the owner of the restaurant and asked, Do you have any jungle meat? No restaurant in the area served jungle meat. The policemen obviously were after something other than food. As we ate, we prayed. In the name of Jesus, we bind everything. The policemen noticed that we had much luggage. They talked softly to one another and left. As soon as they disappeared, we dropped our chopsticks and left. We quickly loaded everything onto the motorbike and rode into the opposite direction from where we wanted to go. We turned onto another trail that led up to Bin Lan again. After going around many times to make sure no policeman followed us, we sneaked into the village and continued our missionary work. While we were teaching, the police may hide outside and watch. Sometimes they chase after us to arrest us. Many times we're called to the police station for interrogation. But generally, every time we meet with them, we each learn a personal lesson. So in order to escape from fear of being imprisoned, we, we go to prison. Amen. So just confront the fear. Amen. Something's tormenting you like that, you need to challenge it. Just face it. We are, when we are required to meet with the police, then we meet with them. Once we are arrested and meet with them, we have no more fear. The Lord has truly blessed me and my family. 
I'm convinced that we, when we are obedient to the Lord's calling, he will give us peace and grace in any difficult situation. I praise God for the hundreds of people he has allowed me to lead to him. He has truly made a road in the wilderness in the hearts of these people. We continue down that road. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So that's confronting the enemy. Sometimes people don't have that type of authority in God or don't sense they have that type of authority. And they get arrested and they suffer consequences. Some of them stay in prison for a long time. And then others will use their authority against the enemy. So we're going to pray our uh, prayer for persecution against persecution in the church and, and believe God to stop this. One of the things that I thought we need to do is part of the persecution prayer is we need to declare bankruptcy on some of these governments because the money that they're giving to these terrorists needs to be stopped. And <laughs> praise God. <coughs> I didn't write them down. I found some notes where I made notes to myself to um, do it. But um, uh, what you call it? Shannon, if sometime during the week you will go over a list and make a list of all of the governments that we want to. Um, definitely the government of Iran because we serve a president who's let them have that money back again. That. And that was really the only thing that was holding them. And we know they do finance terrorism. They're Muslims and they're all extremists. And they want to rule the world and kill people. They want to kill everybody who doesn't believe like they do. And <clears throat> this is a derangement that the enemy has put on their minds. And he drives them and he's convinced them they are right. And they need to be stopped. First and foremost, they need to be stopped. Um, these people are not willing to negotiate, hear anybody. They just believe they're right, and they'll, they'll kill the president just like they'll kill anybody else if they can get close to him. And so we don't want our leaders to be deceived into thinking that you can negotiate with an enemy that's already declared what they're going to do. Amen? You know, people are, are <laughs> I don't know what your political leaning is. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. This isn't a political thing. It's really a, a righteousness and unrighteousness. But <clears throat> I know people had uh, complained about Speaker Boehner, and he's decided to resign. But I tell you one thing he did. When our president wouldn't, he stood up for Israel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And. He gave, he gave Netanyahu a platform fitting his position as prime minister over that nation. You got me? He needed a platform from which to speak and decree some things. And so in doing that, uh, I think favor will rest on our country and our government to get it, do, have a do-over and get it right this time so that we can stand with righteousness, stand for people who are peaceful people who just want to live uh, you know, Israel's not per persecuting anybody and not threatening anybody. They're wanting to live in peace. And so God will give peace to people who want to live in peace. But <clears throat> I thought I would redefine these terms because they get uh, thrown around. When a uh, declaration, you know, you hear these people, I decree and I declare. They are, don't know what they're talking about. Okay, a declaration is an official statement about something. And it is to make it known in an official or public way. 
Now, the Bible says, and in fact, the scripture on the front of our prayer manual is Ephesians 3.10, that it is the job of the church to, to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. Now, this is an official declaration that must be made by the church to these spirits and spiritual forces to let them know what the word of God says about what they're doing and what they believe and what they're trying to perpetrate. And so we declare to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. We make it known by acting out the commands of God. So that we're not just talking, we follow up with action. And that's the difference between somebody who is operating officially and somebody who's just making believe. To decree, a decree is an official order given by a person with power or by a government. So they're speaking out of their element when they're trying to decree and declare over there. Just confess the word. You know what I'm saying? Go to sleep and believe God will make it come to pass at some point if you continue to hold on to it. But these are terms that are being thrown around by people, ordinary Christians that have no authority to make such powerful statements. Number one, a decree is always consistent. It's always, it's consistent, it's continuous, and it never changes. It's a law. So it is a law that thou shalt not kill. And that's what we're, we're making that decree on behalf of the kingdom of God as his church, as his people, that the terrorist shall not kill. Amen. In Jesus' name. A decree is also an official decision made by a court of law, and it has the force of law. So whenever we decree something, it is an official statement in God's kingdom and his authority that has the force of law, which means it must be obeyed. The devil's got to obey it. And so as we decree and we declare the things that we declare, we bring into submission and into obedience to the knowledge of God these evil princes that seek to run things. And if we don't do it, nobody else does it. You got me? It's not something you can just skip and, uh, you know, I don't know if I believe that and I'm just going to skip over that. It's not something you can skip over. And if you don't believe it, I pray and I ask God to give you faith for it because it is his word. The Bible says that we are to make known the principalities and powers, the manifold wisdom of God, and to execute written judgments. These things are written already. They're written so that we can see them, pick them up, and run with them and execute them. That's what you do. If you see some bully in your neighborhood beating up on somebody's kid, you don't stand there and just say how bad it is and what did you do wrong. You go out there and stop it if you got any sense. Of course, nowadays people are telling you just to stand up and get shot instead of trying to defend yourself. Ben Carson was asked what he would do if, if terrorists, he was in a situation in that classroom. He said, I'd get some people together and say, let's rush him. He might kill me, but he won't kill all of us. The next day it was said that he was uh, uncaring and unfeeling about the people who died because they didn't do what he said they should do. You see how twisted they care nothing about human life. Nothing. If you can sell 
aborted baby parts, you can tell people to just lie down and take it. Huh? Those young Americans who stopped that terrorist on that train in France, one thing that young man said, people asked, well, what, did you, what advice would you give? He said, I would say do something. Just don't sit there. Do something. Huh? That man was stopped because we decided to do something instead of sit there until we die. That's never an option as far as God is concerned. So we're going to pray. You pray in the spirit. I'll pray in the understanding, our protection against persecutions, prayer. Father, we submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee. We command you, enemy, to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We're serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold, they're threatening. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare the way of the ungodly shall perish. We declare bankruptcy on the governments that support terrorism. We declare bankruptcy on the government of Iran in Jesus' name. We say let them fall by their own counsels. Lord, you shall judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that's in us. Let the mischief of those who persecute us return upon his own head. Keep us as the apple of your eye. Hide us under the shadow of your wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us. Cause the tongues of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of their mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us. It's time for you to work, Lord, for they have made void your law. Lord, we know that it's nothing with you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God. O save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, our persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. And their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Once you tell the devil what to do, you don't have to beg God for three hours to give you power. You understand you use the power you have. You use a corporate agreement that you have. And these devils must back up and they must obey it. Amen. The word of God says so. But never doubt. Never doubt that if you prayed, maybe the devil won't do anything. He's got to obey you. If you said it and you meant it, he's got to do what you told him to do. Amen. He's got no choice. So, praise God. This is the unseen realm. You won't have to see anything, but you'll get a report about it. Amen. That's what you look for. You look for the report about it. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that you will give us the report of the Lord about our prayer today. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. You want to put a little music on, Miss Wana, and we'll pray, and I'll see if anybody wants prayer. Um, If anybody needs prayer for yourself personally, you can come on up now. Praise God.